You are now listening to the Film Frequency Podcast, hosted by your professionally unprofessional film critics, the Film Bros. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Film Frequency. I am one of your hosts, CEO Hayes, and I'm joined by my brother, the prodigal one, JB's in the building. What's going on, Javit? What's going on, bro? It's the second half, the the, 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 the thicker half with two C's of the film roles. What's going on, <laughs> people? Two C's. What's going on, broski? So we got a couple of news items to get into today before we get into the full review of Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, which is a documentary you put me on to. Um, but we'll get into this news first. So the first piece of news that I want to talk about, bro, and this is just an interesting one, nothing like super deep here. But what do you think about this? Eddie Murphy actually turned down being in Ghostbusters 2 to do uh, Coming to America 2. What do you think about that? Good move. I mean, Coming to America is that's like his one of his things that he's known for. He's he's never been part of the Ghostbusters franchise. Yeah. So um, and also, I don't know if he'd be a good fit, really. Uh, what I, I guess I guess those roles in Ghostbusters, when I look at those roles, I don't even remember what Ernie Hudson's character's name was. But when I look at that character, all I see is Ernie Hudson. Well, yeah, I don't think I don't, was it. I don't think it was to replace Ernie Hudson. I just think that it was to act in Ghostbusters in a role. At least the article that I said doesn't say exactly um, what he was going to do. But you know, him and Dan Aykroyd are friends. They did Saturday Night Live together. He was the one Train who actually places. had a spot for Eddie Murphy um, in in Ghostbusters uh, in the new Ghostbusters because you know he 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 had a, he had a role in it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just interesting to see like how things could have changed if Eddie Murphy was originally in uh but Eddie Eddie Murphy has more range than what people like to remember like for example have you seen Mr. Church I have not that that movie is hands down Eddie Murphy's best performance ever really when did that release shit uh it was in the 2000s at some time um hold on I'll look it up real quick that's interesting I never heard of that but I mean 2016 uh, you know, come, okay 2016 gotcha I mean coming to America is so iconic it's it would be weird you know what i mean yeah. at least in my opinion yeah i mean eddie think eddie murphy can do anything I, I, it's just that you know for and i think he fell into the thing that a lot of actors fall into is that once you have a certain type of character that works for you then hollywood starts just casting you as different jim carrey is a perfect example of that jim carrey is a really really good actor but he hasn't gotten a chance over his career to really display that because once jim carrey did his shtick People loved it, and that's what he did for most of his career. But I, it's just funny that, like, one day we need to, or we should, especially if there's interest, to like go back and like look at like some of the roles that actors took that were out of the out, like way left of what they're known for, and just to to talk about it from that that standpoint. Because even like the Truman Show, something that you know there is some comedy in it, but that was one of Jim Carrey's best performances as well, and it wasn't just straight up comedy. Absolutely, two particular people that jump out at me and they're both comedians uh, um was number one robin williams when he did um was it what was the movie called photo booth i think photo booth yeah or, and he did was it, Insom- photo booth? Was it insomnia no no insomnia was uh al pacino but yeah, he that was did cusack booth. yeah yeah that, that was totally not what we're used to at robin williams and then also most recently last year adam sailor known for huge comedy with uncut gems which is you know i think one of the sleeper films of last year Definitely. he was phenomenal in that 
Definitely. Not what we typically are used to seeing with Adam Sandler. Yeah, and I think especially with comedians, like comedians usually, a lot of comedians have more depth. It's just that they are such funny people. And like comedic timing is one of those things in film, in any form of media. If you have it, it's it's that's a gem within itself. So like I can understand why a lot of comedic actors are like pigeonholed into comedic roles once they get on but a lot of times like if you look at like some of the one of some of the best dramatic dramatic performances they usually come from actors who are in comedy roles at some point yeah absolutely i mean a lot of people have so much range so um it sucks the ones that are sort of typecasted and pigeonholed into a certain role you'll never get to see that range unfortunately definitely definitely but all right let's move into that from our next one and something that i so i saw like the the photo that first released from this mortal kombat movie I don't know how much of a fit. Like, we, we both grew up around the same time. Mortal Kombat was huge for us growing up. I remember when sure. we had to put in the code to unlock, like, the blood so you can actually get it, get the blood in, in the game or whatever. And me trying to hide that shit from my parents. But this Mortal Kombat trailer came out. Um, did you get a chance to watch it? All right, JB is having uh, a connection issue, I guess. JB, you with me? Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. That's what happens when you go live, baby. <laughs> That's what happens when we do it live. What do you think about this Mortal Kombat trailer? I mean, personally, I, I I enjoyed it, but I'm not getting my hopes up mm. or setting my standards high because I feel like this could be one of those movies where the teaser is just that tease. They put all the all the cool shit, mm. and then when you watch the movie, there's nothing else except what you saw in the trailer. There's no other substance to it. So I'm going in there with zero expectations, but I'm hoping it's a good movie. I mean, as I was watching this, because I was more of a street, you know, we're, we're, we're 80s kids, so Street Fighter Mortal Kombat was big in our time, man. Mortal Kombat, I still go around yelling, Toasty! I still go around doing that every now and then. <laughs> so Mortal Kombat was definitely big in my childhood. So it would be great if they can sort of reinvigorate this series and this franchise for the new generation, because there's, t- like, your kids probably don't, like, Alan, he has, he probably has no idea who the hell Mortal Kombat is, it's, it's, or any of these characters. It's funny you say that, Alan, no, but he's he's a little bit younger, but Alana is a huge Mortal Kombat fan. But how does she know about it? Like, you went back, or? YouTube. Okay, That's gotcha. a lot of things. She watched this YouTuber called Corey Kenshin. I don't know if you if you know who Corey Kenshin is. And he does, yeah. like, he live streams games sometimes. And she saw Mortal Kombat once and asked me to get it for her. It was Mortal Kombat 10. So now Mortal Kombat 10 and Mortal Kombat 11, she's highly into those games. So Yeah, it would be great. And then, like, I, again, I'd love to see Street Fighter come back. Um, I don't know if you remember back in the day they had Killer Instinct. There was never a movie on that. Ooh, I'd love to see a movie yeah, on Killer Instinct. The, like, I was a huge Killer Instinct a uh, guy at one point in time. That's funny because I haven't thought about Killer Instinct in years. Super Nintendo. Yeah. Cinder um, was my dude. But the thing, okay, so this Mortal Kombat trailer does a couple of things good, right? It, it A, it, it, it seems like it's just going to be an action movie, which it, it, there's room for dumb action movies. But I like a, the look of a lot of the characters. You know, Jax, that's a little bit weird. I do love that, like, we got to see Sub-Zero freeze his arms and crush him. Like, I love that it seems like they're embracing the over-the-top aspect of Mortal Kombat that's what Mortal Kombat is when you look at like the games they've gotten more and more ridiculous as the decades have gone on so I really do like the 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 idea that like they're embracing that um I don't for me I don't really I don't want them to tell this deep character driven story I just want to see the characters on screen brought to live action and some crazy shit go down that's all I want they have this character Cole in it who's not in the games who has like the Mortal Kombat symbol as a birthmark and I don't really care about what happens with that story put these the characters 
in positions where they fight, make great fight scenes, over the top, have some of the fatalities. That's one of the things this trailer did very well is the Sub-Zero thing where he like he stabs Scorpion and then he stomps, he builds an ice wall and he throws Scorpion through. That's right out of the game. I love seeing shit like that. So like that for me, they can get a hook in me. Like you said, I'm not I'm not expecting a, a fucking award winner or nothing like that. Just make a cool movie. And there's space for that. Everything doesn't have to be great art. If you make a cool ass movie, look at Fast and the Furious. Fast and the Furious isn't isn't the fucking best written fucking movies out. But if you make something that people enjoy and you can get the nostalgia aspect in it, I think it could be a successful movie. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, with this, ideally, how I would love to see this is the first 30 to 40 minutes build some story because you still need some sort of story. Yeah. Them getting together for this tournament because they talk about it in the, in the trailer, right? They're coming to a tournament. Give us that in the first 35 to 40 minutes. And then for the next hour, just fight scene after fight scene at this tournament. Everything that takes place, show us some fat fatalities, give us some great visuals because I would hope that visually it, it's, it's, a, it's a good movie. And just give us an hour of that an hour and 45 minutes total movie everyone leaves happy talking about all these crazy kills and everyone's happy and you're you set yourself up for another one definitely definitely that's all you got to do let's move it to the next topic uh spider-man 3 officially has a name it's called no way home this came after the stars of the movie released some fake names the next day we got the full uh name release it's also come out that this is tom holland's last movie on his contract as far as like the sony movie i think he still has two more marvel team-up movies on his contract that he's going to do He'll be back. He's such a young person. Like, he'll be back. And he, he's done this character great. But what do you think about the title No Way Home? Or have you been a fan of Tom Holland as Spider-Man? I know he's playing your guy Nathan Drake in the in the Uncharted movie. What do you think about Tom he, Holland? I'm definitely excited for Nathan Drake and Uncharted. But um, I've never seen Tom Holland as, uh, as Spider-Man. The last and only Spider-Man movie I've ever seen it was Tobey Maguire. That mm. that's it. And you know, I'm not I'm not a huge not MCU a guy. Hold up. Yeah, comic book movie fan for real. Right. However, I will say, and I think you'll be happy about this. Just yesterday, I, I'm preparing myself. I'm about to start phase two tomorrow. The last MC in the MCU timeline I saw was uh was Avengers, which is the last movie of phase one. So I'm gonna start watching Iron Man three tomorrow and I'm gonna make my way down. I'll probably catch up by twenty twenty five. It's funny that like you literally stopped after phase one. And I'll tell you. Phase two, like going back and looking at phase two, like I've did like a whole rewatch uh, with the kids, like over the pandemic and everything. Phase two is I really think is the weakest phase overall. They have some really great. It's not saying everything is weak, is bad in it, but I think just as a phase, like phase one was the excitement, right? We had never seen a lead up to a, te to a team up movie like that before. It was the excitement phase two. It was it was cool overall. Um, they just had they had more misses if you want to call Marvel movie misses, but they had some of their weakest movies in phase two, in my opinion. And then phase three fucking knocked it out the fucking park. So, um, what and phase four will be this year. Phase four. I already started with WandaVision officially part of phase okay. four. Um, and WandaVision is fucking amazing so far. I, so I, I like, I know you haven't watched it, but I, I, I really do think you would enjoy WandaVision for what it is because of how much nostalgia, how much, like Easter eggs and shit is in it, how much it plays back to things from our childhood. I really do feel like even not as a, the super big comic book movie guy, just as like an experiment, you would enjoy what WandaVision is. But you, you probably would recommend me first watch all the movies before I get to that, right? And that's the unfortunate thing. Like I could, I don't think I could, I could recommend WandaVision to anyone who has not seen everything up through Infinity War and Endgame just because 
the story of Wanda, the character in it, is so... And you have to see the other movies to know why she's at this place and to understand the place of grief she's at. You kind of have to see the mo- other movies that she's in. Now, I can I can recommend movies that she's just in so you don't have to watch all the phases because, honestly, um, Age of Ultron, Civil War, um, Infinity War, and Endgame is really all you need to watch for Wanda and Vision's story, and then you can get into WandaVision. I think you'll be all right. Yeah, I'm just gonna go through all of them, and uh, and, and you know, I'm just gonna that's that's gonna be my my uh, my project for this next month or two. <laughs> well, have fun with that. Um, yeah. But yeah, as far to get back on Spider Man, Tom Holland is a great Spider Man. I don't, I really don't think you can you can shit on him that much as, as Spider Man at all, even if you wanted to. Um, I think what they do with this story is going to be interesting because WandaVision, Doctor Strange two, and the Spider Man movie. They said all share like a theme or it's like a story being told over those three movies. So interested to see where it goes. Um, Tom Holland. If he doesn't, if Tom Holland doesn't come back, who who would you, uh, who would you cast as Spider-Man? Bro, you have to go with an unknown. Just like Tom Holland was an unknown. I think Spider-Man being like, because when you, when you, and Tobey Maguire was able to do it, even though we knew who Tobey Maguire is, but I think Spider-Man specifically, he's such an everyman character and like, you want to feel for him as Peter Parker. You don't want to go in like thinking of any other characters or roles at all. I think he he's the type of character that benefits from that. That's just my personal yeah, opinion. Just someone fresh that you don't, you know, not necessarily typecasted or like, oh, he was in this. He was just somebody total fresh face. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Exactly. All right. Cure- another trailer. Cruella. Uh, so this is a prequel story for Cruella DeVille. Um, and I know I never say her name right. My accent does not allow me to say the the whole double Cruella L Deville. <laughs> the, the double L things. I fucking I can't say the double. You found Hayes's Achilles Achilles heel. See there you go. I can't say the double L shit. I can't do it. It's just my. I don't know if it's a tongue thing. If it, a te- I I can't fucking do it. But the trailer. What did you think of it, JB? I think it was pretty good, and I like that they're going in this route of like sort of dark. You know, it's sort of like uh, Cruella Deville, but in a dark light. Um, the only thing is, and I know I might get hate for this, I'm not really, outside of Superbad, I'm not really a big fan of Emma Stone. I know she's like this acclaimed actress, but I don't necessarily know if she could, I don't know, I don't know if she's going to do good in this role. I, I think the, the, the role will be good, uh, you know, I think the movie will be good again because they're going in this dark route. I'm just not a huge fan of Emma Stone, so it'll be interesting to see um, how she does. Yeah, I don't really like to see Mar- Margot Robbie in this, but I'm, I know I'm being biased because I'm a, I'm a Margot Robbie fan, and um, you know Margot Robbie's already done things like um, Birds of Prey and stuff, so I don't know if they would have done this, but I don't know. What do you think about Emma Stone? Emma, it, it honestly feels like she's doing like a Margot Robbie impression in this, right? She's doing. At first, like, I thought it was Margot Robbie. It's, it's like it's like they're doing their version of of Harley Quinn. That's what this kind of feels like, um, and. But it looks great, like from a story, a story. And it's funny because Corella Deville is like depicted as like this old woman. What if it's that she's re- really a young person, but the stress is what is what caused her to like <laughs> look Aged so fucking out. old? Like, yeah, it's just like the whole thing of like her burning away the outfit to show the outfit underneath was fucking. I think it was a great, it was a, a great reveal. But I'm gonna uh, fix my camera. Keep talking for a minute. Let me fix this real quick. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. But um, yeah, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see where they go with the story. Um, I do think again it's gonna be interesting because it has that dark that dark to it and uh visually like you were saying i do think visually we're gonna get some good stuff out of it you know what we saw in the trailer was pretty good and um yeah man it's just uh, with emma stone i just don't know what we're gonna get out of her but 
it, it'll you know it'll be interesting to see what we get out of her. They haven't mentioned anything about the Dalmatians or dogs or anything, so I don't know how they are gonna how they're gonna fit into all of this. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the dogs necessarily need to. Right, this is a like all we all we need to know as far as like with the one hundred Dalmatians thing is just to simply get a um. A, like maybe she gets bit by a Dalmatian at some point in the movie and then she just ha- hates Dalmatians or whatever like I don't think this needs to like we need to it, Dalmatians need to play a role necessarily in this story but you know they'll probably find a way to include it in maybe just like one scene like you said like you know a Dalmatian bites her or just something you know definitely, definitely. what we got next um but uh uh, what we got next? So next one, theaters are reopening in NYC with also being reported in California. They'll be reopening probably sooner rather than later. What do you think about this, bro? I think it's good, especially, and we kind of talked about this earlier in the pandemic. Um, it, when they do start to open, they need to start to open in these sort of markets. New York clearly is a freaking gigantic market, but New York, LA, Chicago, uh, you know, these are huge markets that, that it's good that they're starting. And, you know, um, it's great for the people in New York. I mean, I'm from New York originally. So, uh, I, I know for me, when I was there going to the movies is a big part of my, my everyday life. You know, I go to the movie theaters, you know, sometimes twice, three times a week when I was younger growing up. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm glad that they're opening. It's going to be interesting to see how long it stays open, though, because, you know, the minute if this happens, and hopefully it doesn't, if there's some sort of uh, outbreak or some shit, bam, they'll close it all back down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, right now, I think COVID cases are overall from this point last year down like 70%, I think I saw somewhere. I don't know if that's Yeah, just... my wife was telling me something like that. Yeah, so, I mean... It, it makes sense. I, me and the kids actually went to go see Tom and Jerry at the movie theater yesterday, and it was the most packed. Keep in mind, I've been going back to the movie theater since uh, what was that movie that we, Russell Crowe that we uh, that we reviewed? Midnight. No, no, no. Um, uh, e, e, I was about to say ejaculation. Um, <laughs> um, Not unsane. Unhinged. That's what it was. Unhinged. So I've been right, going right. back to the movie theater semi consistently since then. That was the most feel that i've seen it. it we even went to go see the crudes when it came out we went to theater to see that and we were it, it was basically a private screening we were the only people in the fucking movie theater when we went to go yesterday it was it, the theater wasn't packed because again they won't let it for for just the covid restrictions but i think it's probably it was probably sold out to what to the max of what they will allow with with these covid restrictions and so people are feeling more comfortable to go back to the movies now um movie theaters have been reopened in like for example, here I live in Columbus, Ohio. In Ohio, they've been reopened for it has to be close to about three or four months at this point. So, with that being said, people are feeling more comfortable, and you op- you reopen it in these large cities. You have the same restrictions that you have everywhere else. It's it's time, bro. We've been talking about this for the longest. I think that we're at the pl- at the place now where it's it's probably time. Absolutely, and you know, um, I know this is a little bit uh, sort of off topic, but it's still relevant. We had also talked about. Movie theaters should actually go and do like have like, you know, pick a place or a venue and start doing drive throughs. And I don't think I mentioned this to you, but uh, a couple weeks ago, me and my wife actually went to a drive through and uh, it wasn't a movie theater. Actually, the city provided this, but they were showing Karate Kid one and uh, it was sold out. And they had like food trucks there so you could get, get food and the drive through. So 
I, I'm shocked that more and more places are not doing this. Like, you know, get a get a city permit and get a, a park going, or even at their own venue outside. And literally, the TV that the park had, it wasn't this hundred, you know, foot thing. It was probably maybe I would say thirty, maybe thirty feet. It, it wasn't like like humongously gigantic. So people just have to start thinking outside the box. But I'm glad that New York is opening back up with these movie theaters. Definitely, definitely, it's good to see. Um, let's see the 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 cinema get back uh, rocking. We know that basically AMC has been completely saved by the shit with the stock market going on a couple of weeks ago, but we already talked about that. Um, that's it, though, for the news. Make segment. cinema great again. Let's make... make <laughs> I'm not even going into that. Uh, let's go ahead and <laughs> we're going to get into the uh, actual review for the crime scene at the Vanishing Hotel. Uh, the Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. We'll be right back after this for the people who listen on the podcast. For the people who are watching us live, just stick around. We'll be right back. What do you think people imagine when they picture the Cecil Hotel? Is there a room here that maybe somebody hasn't died in? I never got used to that. Never got used to that. Throughout its history, the Hotel Cecil has always had a dark persona. People call it Hotel Death. This was a place where serial killers let their hair down. Like Richard Ramirez who would come back covered in blood, and no one's got a problem with that. A hotel with a notorious past is the site of another bizarre case. Elisa Lamb from Vancouver, Canada is missing. The big unanswered question is, where is she? The last footage that we have of her was inside the elevator. That's where the case starts to go askew. She kept looking outside the door. Why is the elevator not going anywhere? Is someone keeping her here? Her hand movements are very strange and erratic. Like she's conjuring a spirit. It makes people wonder, is there something evil going on here? All right. If I did my motherfucking job, that would have been a trailer for the crime, crime scene, the vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. We've got a couple of things to talk about with this. A, documentaries. I love documentaries. I think that, uh, you know, it's something that it's difficult to review really documentaries unless you have a podcast built around that because what you, you we could talk about the story all day long, but that's the point of watching the documentary. So I think what we need to have, we, we, what the conversation needs to be built around, at least in this podcast, is how the documentary was executed. We can definitely talk about some of the story as well. But this just... Netflix, and we, we've talked about this before, right? With Disney Plus growing as what it is and people asking if, if it's going to be a Netflix killer, this is the reason why Netflix will never go away completely because of stories like this, because of the, the ease of access to stories like this. And we know Hulu has exclusive documentaries too that are really good. Almost every streaming platform has some form of documentaries on it, but especially true crime documentaries. People love this. What do you think about Netflix's streak of these true crime documentaries you know I, we didn't review it but last year there was a great one as well um uh don't fuck with cats on the internet was a great documentary uh true crime what, what do you think about netflix and their streak of documentaries yeah actually um on the your show the awakened soul i know you were speaking with the director and i know you talked about I, I heard you talk about that um uh don't kill or don't fuck with cats yeah. um but yeah man they've had a they've had a really good string of uh, these true crime do documentaries uh there was this one which we're going to be reviewing in a few moments also uh, i saw the one with um oh man i don't remember the name but it's the guy and he killed his wife and his two daughters um he was working for like an oil refinery or something like that there was that and um 
there's there's the one with the Night Stalker that I haven't seen yet, but it came out um, a few months ago. And there's a bunch in the pipeline that they're doing and that they've done already. So, again, this you mentioned it. This is why Netflix is never going to die. They're just so uh, – in terms of bringing new things to the platform – I don't think anyone does it as good as them, whether it's Amazon, Disney Plus, you know, Apple, whoever it is. They just continue to bring new stuff and stuff that's like must watch television. Yeah, for sure. It, 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 it's so it's, it's in, the way that they executed is so engaging. And this is inherent with documentaries that are done well as a whole. Like you get so engaged in the story. Like for me, I, I sat here and I didn't watch it all in one sitting, but I watched all but like one and a half episodes in one sitting and I did not realize how much time passed because I was so engaged in what was happening. Um, documentaries are just fucking amazing. Um, but let's get into the specifics of this story. Um, Elisa Lamb, uh, who is the one who the, the the woman who goes disappearing in this and they you know they ramp it up or whatever. What do you think about like the, the, the documentary being built around the story. What do you think about the story overall, I guess, is what I want to say. No, I mean, 100%. I mean, I, I don't remember when this originally happened. I think back in 2012 was when they said. I don't remember this story. My wife happened to remember it, but I don't remember the story at all. So I just really want to touch on how they, they reveal the story in these five parts. They could have said from episode one what the what – the, the truth of the matter was and then go backwards yeah. i appreciate the way they did it though because as, as me as someone who didn't know what the end result is like it, it, it kept me suspenseful and it kept me in the know want, and wanting to know more i think i saw i think i saw three parts in one sitting but honestly if i wasn't watching this with my wife i would have been watched all five episodes probably in one sitting because i was dying to know what's going to happen next but um yeah i think the way they they split it up was done really really well and um yeah we're gonna we're gonna get into it but i i was happy with the way it was done it, you know to answer your question yeah, it was paced very well right because the first episode they they touch on a little bit of of her story but it's really about setting the 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 stage that the cecil hotel is just a bad place that's what it's it's initially first the first run the first episode is really about towards the end of that first episode we start getting the story then going into the second episode I think at the end of the second episode is when they first show the footage of her being in the elevator and acting weird and 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 saying okay she disappeared but then we got this footage from the elevator and clearly she's frantic about something it just was paced very 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 well and with documentaries the pacing is is because the tone really i mean you could have a tone you you can set whatever tone you want but like the story sets the tone for you right it's how you pace out telling that story and this was one of the documentaries that i think was was it it crescendoed very very well um and, and all coming to a a a a climax in that fifth episode but it just to me it it, it it's 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 great storytelling in a way that it makes you sit down and not want to stop because you want to know what happens next. You want to know. Um, and I love how they like, they took pieces of like what she was commenting on the internet and you kind of got, we, we felt like we got in her head um, uh, as much as we can for somebody who's can't contribute to the documentary. Um, just, just great overall there. What did you think about, about just the pacing throughout the episodes? Yeah. Just two things to touch on real quick regarding what you said. 
Yes, this is a documentary, but really, truly, the way they, they portrayed it was even like a movie. I mean, you have your main character, who is Elisa Lim. She's your, you know, your your protagonist. But then you also have the antagonist. And I, I guess you could say the antagonist here is the Cecil Hotel itself. That's your villain. That's your, your bad guy in this movie. Yeah. And then they do a good job of, you know, what do movies do with, with the good person? They build them up, they give them character development, and then you build sympathy for them for when something bad happens. And they did that. They talked about Elisa Lim. They talk about her being a student and, and wanting to travel. And like you said, those uh, those Tumblr scenes that they show mm-hmm. with her, her Tumblr, you know, her journal notes, those added so much depth to this movie because, you know, obviously this is, is going to be a spoiler, but unfortunately she dies. Yeah. You don't get to hear her side of things, but through these tumblers, you hear her voice, you know, with the dramatization, they, they gave a voice and you got to see where her head was at, what she was doing. So I think that added another dimension to the uh, documentary that was really good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's that that's always the thing that it, that's difficult. Well, not let me not say difficult because most documentaries do a good job that actually make it to be released. But the way that you convey the voice of of the victim in documentaries who aren't allowed to speak who who are dead and can't tell their own story um is 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 extremely important and in this like you said the the tumblr posts the journal entries the the uh, how her family talks about her and where she was mentally and stuff it really we we got to know her even though we didn't get to meet her in this documentary yeah, and in most documentaries, um, you know, such as this, and even any documentary, when a person has unfortunately passed away, you hear their voice through their parents, friends, family, colleagues. We didn't get a lot of that here. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't get a lot from her direct friends. We got a lot from fans and and people on the internet, like these internet detectives, and and uh, cops who were who who were you know, into the case, but we didn't get from her family. So without that Tumblr, that would have been a huge part missing. So, uh, yeah, the documentaries do a good job of doing that through other people and family members and friends, like you said, but with her, we didn't have much of that. So the Tumblr thing came in really good. And whoever, by the way, whoever was, did the editing, I don't know if every episode they had a different staff or crew or whatever, but the person who put this together, the editor did a phenomenal job. Definitely. Definitely. Great job, especially as somebody who edits myself. Like, I, I appreciated the editing here a lot. Um, and so the biggest part of the story, right, or a long part, they, they spend telling the lead up to her actual disappearance and that that last video we get of her um, and the camera footage. Hey, like, what was your reaction to seeing that camera footage for the first time? Because that's the, that's the thing that I had the most physical reaction to. But what, what was yours? I'll talk about mine later. So... When I saw that, originally when they said she went missing, obviously the first thing that comes to my head is like someone killed her. Yeah. You know, maybe someone uh, attacked her, raped her, killed her, whatever. After I saw the video, I, I told I told my wife is one of two things because we watched this together. Either A, she's having some kind of psychotic episode mm-hmm. and she must be on pills or something and she forgot to take her, her medication. Or B, she's a small town girl that's visiting freaking L.A., and she's, as you can see by her Tumblr, she's very adventurous. She must have got some like friggin' acid and is like tripping balls right now. And maybe something happened. She went to Skid Row. Someone killed her. So I assume that it, it was either she's on some kind of psychotic episode or she was like tripping on some kind of some kind of drug. That was my initial reactions after I saw the footage. What about you? 
Yeah, my thing was first she stayed on fucking Skid Row, bro. Like, yeah. as a twenty, but she doesn't know that. Like, okay, but it's, I'm sorry. Let me let me get into the into my reactions to the video. I definitely thought that she was probably high as fuck. Like, if you just watch that, it that just I've seen people who've been tripping. I've seen people on ecstasy, acid, sure. shrooms, all types of shit over over the course of my life. Fuck, I grew up in Europe. That look like some shit that I've seen before because of somebody tripping balls on some shit. That's just period. I don't mean to be dissensitive or whatever, but that, so that's what I thought is that, okay, maybe she got experimental. She was adventurous and maybe she got high as fuck and some crazy shit happened. Um, and you know, we, we eventually find out more stuff and I I don't, I don't know when you want to get into that, but that was at least my initial reaction, but it was so the music that they had behind it, the where where they were, the documentary, just seeing that it was like, as a father, for me, could you imagine? And not even as a father, could you imagine somebody that you love disappearing, and they say, "Well, this was the last video we were able to find of them," and you see that shit. I, I don't know how I could rebound that, from that. I know, bro, because like, um, just is that's one of our okay. We're not even family, and it touched us. And I know it touched me in a way, like. Man, look at this young girl. I believe she was 21, if I'm not mistaken. Young girl, and regardless of what it is, she's clearly not in a right space, and it's it's just sad to see. And imagine if that's your daughter or your sister or your cousin or, or anything, and that's the last memory you're going to have of them. And I, I kind of had a feeling something was going on because, okay, when she came out she was talking to someone, that's sort of normal. They said, like, okay, she had weird hand movements. Okay, let's get past that. Yeah. But when she came in the elevator and she, she was – posted up on, on the side like she was hiding from somebody. For a split second, I'm like, okay, is someone going after her? But no, I don't think anyone was going after her because you mean to tell me that whole entire scene, no other person was shown. Someone would have had to come in front of the elevator or anything. Yeah. But let me say this, and I don't mean to bring God or religion into this conversation, but I strongly believe when it's your time to go, it's your time to it go. is your time to go. Yeah. And let me just say, and I know I'm fast forward a little bit where this elevator was, it was on the top floor. This is the only floor that if you go up one flight of stairs, you're on the roof, which we'll get to. She, she was on the roof. If she was on any other floor, she would have had to, it would have been a harder task to get to the roof, but she's on the, the, the floor that it's the easiest route to the roof. That's number one. Number two of any time possible, she went in the elevator she decided to push all the buttons. Had she not done that, had she pushed one button, the elevator would have probably closed immediately. Or, I, I know I know, this is not good, I've been that asshole to go in elevator and press 10 buttons for shits and giggles. And never once has it, has it uh, delayed like that. Yeah. Maybe for 10 seconds. And then it closes. What it does is stop at every, you know, at every floor. But the fact that the elevator stopped for such a long period... This was unfortunately it was just meant to be. And we'll and we'll get into it. Um you know what, fuck it. Let's get into it. You said she eventually made it to the roof. As this story unfolds, <sighs> um what we'll talk about this after the fact. So yeah, let's just focus on the story now. I got some stuff that I want to talk about outside of sure. the actual story afterwards. But yeah, she goes to the roof. Um her her bo- her body's eventually found floating in water with naked clothes completely off. Um, it's ruled an accidental drowning. What do you make of it, bro? 
I have a really hard time believing that, bro. And I understand she she, she might have been tripping or, again, a psychotic episode. Mm-hmm. But s- things really don't add up for me. Also, let me just say, because we haven't mentioned her, that that um, uh, manager of the Cecil Hotel, before I even knew, because when this started, I didn't know where this story was going. I didn't know that this girl was going to go missing. I didn't know that she died. I didn't know anything about this case. For all I know, she got attacked and she's fine. And she's, we're going to see her in the last episode telling her story. Mm-hmm. I, but the minute I saw the manager of the Cecil Hotel, that blind chick, mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, this lady is 1,000% suspect. I just don't like the way she looks, the way she talks, the way she acts. It just seems off to me. She looks fucking nuts. She is the prototypical person who's more concerned with their job than the human life that's involved in this. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. So I think what happened, there's a combination of the hotel cleaning some stuff up. And because of that, it sort of muddied the case, right? Mm-hmm. I can get behind her going up the roof on the steps, even though the, the hotel manager said that the emer- there's no emergency, uh, there's an emergency on the door. We know that's bullshit because people went and visited and they went there themselves and no emergency ever came on. No alarm ever came on. So we know that's bullshit. I can get behind her going there. I can even get behind her climbing up the ladder to go into the water tank. W- what starts to bother me is they say that when they found her, Originally, the tank was closed. Then they went back and said the tank was open. Mm -hmm. If she falls in, she can't close the tank. Secondly, her clothes coming off. They said that she was struggling. And I know this is true. When you're starting to, um, you know, freeze up, your body body starts to actually run hot. And you feel like you're you're having like a fever. Mm -hmm. But would you have the wherewithal, if you're high and, and dying, to think to, oh, let me take off my clothes? Like... I don't know. It sounds really weird, man. It, something doesn't add up there for me. There's definitely so many questions that can be risen from like the determination from the coroner to like the facts in this. Like, and I want to talk about the sensitivity. I want to throw somebody, a theory at you, not right now, but you tell me because I have a theory. But you tell me when you're ready for that theory because okay. I don't want to jump around. Definitely, uh, so, and I want to be sensitive in what I'm saying here because this woman lost her life. She was 21 years old. She lost her life, and that's super unfortunate. But this is cookie cutters. They try to make this seem there's no way like somebody, somebody else had to be involved in this. That's just my, my personal speculation where there was a cover up by the hotel, whether somebody threw her in there, like whatever it was. I truly believe that somebody in my personal opinion saw this woman tripping, took advantage of her and then got rid of the body that in there like that. That's just, I know they and there's no signs of at least I believe they said of 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 sexual trauma or anything like that. Like something happened, bro. Like I just can't get behind that she just drowned and fell in like that. Well, I think you used the perfect phrase there. You said cookie cutter. Everything about this case in their eyes is cookie cutter. They they said I kept on saying once we find out what the autopsy comes up, we'll know more about this case. I was just, I kept on telling my wife because if they see sexual trauma, we know she might have been raped. Mm-hmm. If they see like her wrist has has marks on it, we know she might have been tied up. But then the autopsy comes back and it's one thousand percent clean, like there's no marks on her body. I find that hard to believe, man. I, I mean. Especially if she was like on a psychotic episode or or, or or tripping on drugs, she you mean to tell me she didn't scratch herself, she didn't bump into something like nothing. It's just it's just really odd to me, and I feel like 
there's so many holes and and the detectives just sort of filled in the holes of what they thought what they thought was best i really feel there's a lot more to the story they did the toxicology report that's another thing i wanted to see what did she have any sort of drugs in it mm. did she you know and they said that all they saw was low traces of the um pills she's supposed to take for her her um you know her her, her issues that she has but again that's just too easy that I feel like that's too easy. I feel like they're telling everybody what they want to hear. They're they're not saying the truth. And I I don't know, man. I, I know I've been a little bit of a conspiracy theorist here, but something just doesn't sit right with with the conclusion that they came to. Yeah, it just I don't know, bro. It just something just doesn't feel right about this. And I understand that their family has sued the Cecil. Um, I don't know if they've sued any any like uh, they lost. Or I know I know that they did lose. It was dismissed, so they did not win that. Um, and it just it's just unfortunate because in a case like this, it's it's hard to feel like justice will ever be served. Well, here's my question: How in the hell could they have possibly lost that case? Okay, if she was found, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not, you know, I know we're we're, we're kind of making light and not making light of the situation where we're talking about it in such a, a tone. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're also doing a review on, on this documentary. But if they found her body on the floor, you know, in, in the hallway somewhere, that's one thing, right? Yeah. She wasn't there. She was on the roof in a water tank. How the hell did she get there? There at, is at, negligence at, at there, very, bro. At, exactly. There's, there's no way, in my personal opinion... That normal guest at a hotel should have access to the roof, whether it, whether it's locked, the roof and the water tank, correct. whether it's whether it's locked by key card, actual key, whatever else, a guest should not be able to just mosey on into the roof of a hotel. And the fact that she was able to get on that roof, able to climb that ladder, mm-hmm. able to get in that water tank, that is what I call negligence. That, so yeah. I don't know how they could have possibly lost. I don't know what kind of lawyer they had. Like to at least get some sort of settlement. I mean, the Cecil Hotel got off so lucky in that because nine times out of ten they're guilty. Because I just don't. I to me it's an opening, opening shut case. I don't understand what went wrong there. Exactly. I mean, and granted, we're not lawyers. We're not trained legal professionals. Correct. But Correct. at the Correct. same time, it's just it something doesn't it doesn't feel right that the, the hotel was able to get scot free. The hotel is still open to this day has now rebranded. They're now called the stay on main. I believe is the name of the hotel. Um, and it's just, I don't know, bro. It's, 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 it just sucks. Unfortunately, uh, this woman's life was lost and I don't think justice will ever be served or the truth for that matter will ever be fully released. And that's the part that's really unfortunate about all of this. But, um, unfortunately that's the, that's the world that we live in. But, and you know do you have anything else to say about the story of of elisa before we get into like the last kind of thing that i want to talk about um nothing nothing really directly about the story just uh you know a really sad situation yeah a really sad situation again here's this young girl uh from canada uh, canada right yeah she's yeah. from canada. canada she wants to wants to see the world wants to see something different decides to come to la but this is also something like again some my wife she's never been to california when she saw Skid Row, she was like, what? I'm like, yeah, I, I've been to California. I've been to L.A. I've been to Hollywood, etc." L.A. is beautiful, bro. Yeah. It's beautiful. But Skid Row does exist. Like, people, when they think of, uh, of ho- like, L.A. and Hollywood, they're thinking Rodeo Drive. They're thinking where the, you know, the, the Walk of Fame is. 
They don't know, just miles away. Stuff like that is going on. I've seen that with my own eyes. When I went there, I, I was uh, maybe 18, uh, yeah, maybe eight, 17, 18. I was shocked to see that because that's not what you see on TV. Yeah. But yeah, stuff like that stuff like that does exist. So I know for a lot of people who never visited that area or, or California, it was probably an eye-opener for them. Like, what? Yeah. You can't have beauty without ugly. You can't have dark uh, light without the darkness. It's just period, point blank. There's two sides to every story and everything that you see um, in the Cecil Hotel. And Skid Row is a perfect example of that because it's surrounded by really so much beauty. It's not that far from some of the sites and Correct. some of the great things that you'd want to see if you go to California. So, um, Can just, I ask you a question? Yeah. Since we're, we're, we're sort, sort of talking about Skid Row here, how, what is your take on what undercover really what the city did there because they took all the homeless people and all the the drug the drug users and all the the, the pimps and everything took them out of that area secluded them in this skid row area made that other area beautiful a millionaire for millionaires and billionaires and put all the all these people in one small area and when they try to even come out, there's actually cops there that keep them in that area. What do you what do you what are your thoughts on that? Gentrification is fucking real, yes, people. And for anyone who doesn't think that is real, you're fucking choosing. That's willful ignorance, and that's all that is. This shit like this happens more than we care to admit in this country. And that's like, don't get me on my awakened soul shit. This is the film frequency is supposed to be lighthearted. Don't get me on my TAS shit. But for real. It, it this is this is an, the unfortunate reality of the country that we live in, bro. And everywhere. Yeah, Let's just, not just make it an America thing. This happens all over the fucking world. Let's just be clear about that. I know that we we're Americans. We like to tend to just think that the, that the American country just is the, is the country to do this shit. It's fucking not. You can find shit like this every fucking where, and that's that's a fucking problem. Yeah, it is. It is. So yeah, I thought that was kind of crazy. All right, bro, where are we going next? Next. So the thing that I want to talk about this is true crime culture, right? In, in a degree. In this, in this and in the documentary I talked to before about Don't Fuck With Cats, social media personalities are used very heavily in this, right? Uh, they're interviewed, they're asked, they're talked about, you know, YouTubers, whatever. What do you think? Do you think that that is a dangerous part? And I labeled it as true crime culture, but let's just say life in general. Do you think these people who go around searching for things like this who use this as a way to like build these youtube channels build these platforms or whatever is it inherently kind of negative and i mean to a degree we're doing it here we're sitting here reviewing this documentary but you know this is this is a documentary that was put out I'm more so speak speaking about the people who use crime and things that are going on to build the platforms and then to really is it just is it kind of icky i guess i don't know what other technical word to use for it because it there's something in it that bothers me is that there there's and especially in this there's a youtuber who like completely almost built their channel built around the story and yeah okay they help they maybe help bring awareness to it or whatever but it's just it's something about it that just doesn't quite sit well with me i want to know if i'm tripping about that bro what do you think i think honestly you more than anybody if you think about it deeply it, you won't trip about it and let me tell you why let me throw it at you this way at the end of the day i think if we, I wasn't a podcaster and I wasn't a creator, mm -hmm. I would be thinking that way and, and the way you're thinking. But now let's look at the other end as a creator and <laughs> you create tons of shit. You do video, you do podcasting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. From a creating aspect, you, we always talk about find a dry, whatever your niche is. And for That's some true. people, 
This is their niche. It's just like somebody that is a gamer and they're doing videos on gaming or while the topic might be sort of, like you said, icky and weird, it might be someone's niche. And clearly there's an audience for it. So um, is it wrong that they're they're taking, uh, I don't want to say taking advantage of it? Not really, because at the same time, right? They're also making a awareness of it. Uh, I just want to really bring up really quick, like a lot of people have issues with YouTubers and, and, and people on social media showing videos of them giving money to homeless people or doing things for, for homeless people or charities, and they always shit on them. Uh, there's a lot of people that do that. Mm. I don't. I do not. The reason why I don't is because I'll sometimes see these videos and it inspires me to do these things or it reminds me like, oh man, you know what? I haven't done that in a while. I'm very big into giving just because it make the way it makes me feel when I give, right? So I'm not one of those people that that um, will shit on someone for, for portraying that on a video. But it's the same thing here for true crime. If it wasn't for this documentary and, and, and some of those YouTubers where I went back and watched some of their videos, if it wasn't for them, I would have absolutely no idea of this story. And a story that I think is very important, you know, a very important thing is I'm glad that I found out about the story. I'm glad that I know about this woman, Elisa Lam, that um, unfortunately, uh, you know, passed away. But at least now I know her story yeah. and millions know her story because of this. That's a good point. That's a good point. It's it's. It's just, I guess at this point now, right, right, there are social commentators, right? And once something comes out in the public eye, people are going to have their opinion on it. The people are going to talk about it. And who knows? The fact that this was shared, the fact that this is blown up, maybe it does give their family a leg up. Maybe maybe, maybe something happens or something positive that way. It's just, yeah, it feels icky. I get what you're saying. Um, and that, that gave me a new perspective on it. But still, it's just... I just wonder, like, how much good actually comes from it, right? Like and the genuineness. Yeah, like, and, and it's not to capitalize on, like, hey, I, my, my channel can blow up if I cover this. And how much of it is people actually, like, no, maybe we can help find somebody. Maybe we can help bring closure to somebody's family. Like, that's always the thing that even – and you would think as a creative, I would I would be somebody who's more, you know, on the side of, like, oh, no, all this stuff does some good. But I've seen some really – dumbass people use creativity mm. for a way that's just it's 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 not anything genuine it's not anything heartfelt in it and you know it just it makes me raise questions especially when it's subject matter like this um bro i, I gotta ask you this right um come off to come off that last part you're a writer shout out to my brother jb by the way y'all he's a fucking amazing writer in the next film that we're working on he's fucking awesome like this it's not just because he's my brother he's fucking awesome Appreciate is is this something that you'd want to produce? Do you think you'd want to produce something like this at some point? You mean this exact story? Not this exact story, but something like a, a, a true crime documentary like this. Oh, one million, one million percent. Um, not this story, obviously, because it's already been told, but one million percent. And let me tell you, stories like this, unfortunately, are endless. Yeah. I mean, go on Reddit. There's millions and millions, which this is very sad, but there's millions and millions of stories like this. But yeah, I'd love to one day, you know, uh, you know, Legacy Visions, uh, you know, me writing you, directing it and, and doing a documentary. As a matter of fact, I mean, this just to peel behind the curtain. We even talked before we even talked about this, this documentary ending. I was like, hey, one of the things I want to put in our catalog is a documentary. It could be a true crime documentary. We'll, we'll have to see what we, you know, what we do there. But yeah, I think absolutely there's, there's, uh, you know, there's room for this type of stuff. But then again, 
to go back to your original question, if we do this true crime thing, are we are we trying to capitalize? Will people look at it that way? Obviously, we have good intentions. We know yeah. we have good intentions. Yeah, you know, I think, I think it's all in the way that it's done, right? Because this, 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 sure, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a lot in what is done, and like I think if you can, when you get, depending on who you get to contribute to the documentary, to me that says a lot about the the vibe that people got from you trying to create it, right? Her family really wasn't involved in this, not at all. What do you what do you think that, that means to are they just is it still something that they don't want to talk about? Do you think that they felt like they that it was trying to capitalize on the daughter's story? What do you, what do you why why just and this is a hundred percent speculation. We have no fact. Her family hasn't commented on the documentary as far as this recording that that we know of. This is just thoughts. Would you if this happened to one of your loved ones? Would you want to be involved in it? <sighs> Honestly, bro, it depends on what the situation is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on what the situation is. Like, I'm going to just tell this quick story. My my wife, right? Um, when she was, I want to say during her college years, um, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but um, she, uh, you know, there, there was this girl, and uh, apparently the girl, I, I don't want to get too much into the story, but the girl, her boyfriend, I, I don't know if he was abusive or, or really what, to make a long story short, he took her hostage pretty much one day in the middle of nowhere, poured gasoline on her, set her on fire, and killed her, right? This is a girl that my wife knew. And um, he ended up telling the cops that he tried to scare her and things went wrong, which seems like bullshit. point I'm making here, the relevancy here is Lifetime actually reached out to her parents, the girl's mom's parents, and they turned it down because they're not trying to – for no money in the world are they trying to relive all this stuff. Yeah. So I think something in this light, they may not want to relive, but we've seen a lot of things like this where, sure, the, the parents will take not, – not, I don't want to say, they, oh, yeah, they'll take the money because it's a paycheck, but because they want their child's story to be told. So I think that me personally, if it was you know, my story, it would depend on what happened and is it like me wanting this story to be told? Should this story even be told? We don't know exactly what happened. They might not have even reached out to the parents. For all we know, you know, they might not have reached out to parents. They might have just did this, did this documentary without, because I find it odd that there's not, no one in her family, her friends. It's, it's, it's I can't remember a documentary that I've seen that the fr- friends or family weren't interviewed at all. Like that's which I, makes me think they didn't reach out to anyone because okay. there at least be that one friend. Like, yeah, yeah she was my homegirl in school, or they, but there was nobody. So I don't think they reached out to anybody, and that could. Honestly, as much as I I know I brought up the fact that maybe this felt this felt a little icky, but that could be maybe they were just they were just respecting the family's because you you could, as it was executed you can completely tell this story and this may be why it was built around more so the Cecil to begin with and not a lot about her they used blog posts and of course journal entries and stuff like that but maybe they just was like you know what let's not even reopen this wound for them it could it could very well be yeah it could very well be um i i do think too with, with those tumblr posts th- nothing else was needed now had they not had the tumblr posts there's probably a good chance they would have probably reached out because they need somebody to tell her story yeah without that tumblr post we know nothing about this woman Z- I, to be honest with you without that tumblr those tumblr posts this might not even be a documentary because it would be so hard to do a documentary unless they could have built it around I, the Cecil still. But imagine if there was no Tumblr post mm-hmm. and nothing from her fam- family and friends. 
they could have pivoted and just this could have been maybe a story in the multiple stories they told about the Cecil. True. Could have been something like that. But yeah, and there I mean, are multiple stories about the Cecil. And, bro, I've done a little bit of research um, when we said we were going to do this just about the Cecil. And it was just like, I, I don't understand how one place can have so much shit going on and still be allowed to stay open. I, I do. Okay. So um, I said earlier, I have a theory, and I don't know if you have any theories, but I, I want to that that kind of it's a good segue for my theory. Okay. Here's my theory, and I and I I'm not a huge conspiracy theories, but this is the way I'm thinking. What I think is this Cecil Hotel is in the middle of Skid Row. Cops know this is a shitty area. They don't want this place to be closed down because this place houses a lot of kind of shitty people right mm. if this thing closes down what do you do with all these people because there's a lot like half of it it's like it's like a regular hotel but the other half is residents that are paying like dirt cheap maybe section eight type of people uh you know again drug addicts uh, pimps uh, murderers everything you name it you know so now they have to figure out what to do with this so number one it's in the cops interest and the law enforcement's interest to keep the cecil open that's number one number two i honestly believe that Something did happen with Elisa Lim and a, a second party. Could have been somebody. Um, could have been somebody at the uh, a hotel in terms of an employee, but I don't think it was that. I think that lady, the manager, knows exactly what happened. But here's the thing: let's say I'm one of the big, the big. Uh, I don't want to say gang members because this had nothing to do with gangs. But let's say I'm one of the big guys on Skid Row. I'm one of the big, uh, you know, just I'm a big character there. Like, I'm well known. I'm one of the top guys, right? What's to say I go to the Cecil Hotel? I say, listen, ma'am, we're going to pay you X amount every month. We're going to do some shit here. Turn a blind eye. In return, we're paying you money. And more importantly than that, we'll guarantee your safety. You mean to tell me that chick worked there for all those years and nothing ever happened to her? She was never harassed. She was never. As bro's connection fixes, um, I guess I'll keep it going. But yeah, that, that good point. Jimmy, you you froze there for a second. I was I was talking cutting time. Oh but, shit! Okay. But no, no, you're good. You have no control over that. But no, I I see what you mean with that. That's that's an interesting theory. It's not something out of the 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 realm of possibility. Um, How is she so protected? She and she just she just gives you the creep vibe. Like it's just something some people that you see and that no matter like everything they say, it's just like it just feels like why the fuck are you lying? You're lying to me. And that's she's one. You of know those who it remind me of, bro? Who? Um, D. Will. Oh man. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, what's the name of that? What's the name of the movie? Uh, the name of the uh, it was a film about the the five um, Central Park. Um, oh, the five the, Central the, Park. Uh, uh, when they see us. Yeah, when they, it reminds me of the freaking cop from that movie, like the the female cop. Yeah. Same, like, bitch, you know what you talk, you know what you're doing, and you know what's going on. Don't don't even. Front. Anytime JB you know uses bitch, you know he means it because he doesn't use that very <laughs> often towards women. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, great docu, great documentary. I love documentaries. Uh, as far as theories, bro, it, it's it's so much that can happen. My thing is this. This hotel has been is known for crazy shit happening. Why do they not have fucking cameras? Every every inch of that fucking place should be covered by fucking cameras, bro. I'm assuming now it does. I, I would assume. I, I don't know. It's 2021. It better at this point, but it's like. Would you ever? Would you ever stay there? Fuck no, bro. Like fuck all that. Honest to God, I would. My so I this mean, is my Simo thing. Would too. No, no th this is my issue for for creative. 
for I would absolutely love to stay there. You know my attitude, bro. I would smack the shit out of somebody in a quickness, right. and I'd probably get fucking shot because I don't have time yeah. for the bullshit. Like, I, my first instinct, more times than not, is physical violence. I choose violence every time if somebody tries to fucking talk shit to me. That's just that's a, a personality flaw. Blame my father. He raised me to knock motherfuckers out. Ask questions later. I don't have the attitude. This is Shout why out to Uncle Russell. I, this is why I don't do fucking clubs. Because the moment somebody steps on my shoes and they knew, I'm fighting. There's no way around it. I am fighting you. Um, so yeah, no, I wouldn't say there just for that reason. Because I, I guarantee I'd words I, from an eighties kid, by the way. I'd be fucking no shot in fucking in fucking fifteen minutes worth of being there. Like, it's not gonna happen. But I would think, especially now with this documentary, I'm sure that things are a lot. And plus, remember, they're under new management and shit. Like, yeah. like I forgot how much, how many millions this shit sold for or whatever. So new management, um, I guarantee you management is probably thrilled this documentary came out because there are so many people, you know, that would now want to go and visit this place mm-hmm. just to say I visited this place. I mean. I asked Siba when the thing was done, you know, I was like, would you ever want to stay here? And she's like, yeah. And nine times out of ten, like 99%, we're probably going to go to California next year. And we're probably going to end up spending a night here mm. um, just to see what just to see what it's like. Well, um, make sure you fucking tell me when you do, bro. And please, like, it's for my own fucking nerves. Because if anything fucking happens to you and Sima, I'd be on the first flight out to fucking skid row. Like, I'm a fucking... Bro, like best I'm a, case scenario, you got a documentary on your hands. What happened to my brother? Uh, <laughs> my brother's keeper. Was I was my brother's keeper? <laughs> brother's keeper. <laughs> but all right, bro, man. That's really it. Um, anything left on this one, man, before we go? Just a sad situation, but um, to, not to make light of it, great job by Netflix and, and just everyone surrounding this, you know? Definitely. Uh, in terms of the documentary itself and the way it was made and the pacing and everything we went over. Definitely. Definitely. Um, if you're ever on Skid Row, please don't stay at the Cecil. Uh, but uh, JB, go ahead and give him your social media. Let's get the fuck up out of here. Yes, sir. I can reach no on left. Twitter. <laughs> God, it's such a shame. I can reach on Twitter at the P1JB. That's at T-H-E-P-1-J-B. Also, um, I'm, I'm just going to do a very shameless plug. Uh, uh, CJ and I, we have our short film coming up soon. Probably drop it next week. I'll let him give more info on that, but please go ahead and check that out. And uh, might have a little something coming later tonight. Again, I'll, I'll throw that over to you. You do better with those things than me. We may be doing an impromptu live stream after the Golden Globes tonight. I think that uh, we'll probably both be hype. It depends on how fucking drunk out of my mind I am. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> what? What's that? But no, uh, we be looking out on coverage from that one way or another from the film frequency um as far as the short film we have a short film dropping the bet which comes out march 5th um unless something crazy happens this is the benefit of being self uh distributed uh we'll see what happens with that but everything's all in line for us to to drop that on march 5th it's it's a it's a great project like honestly like in, in in the editing process of this like the creative was insightful right the bet is just, it's just, it's, it, you can just feel the love. That's all I can say about it. The bet is just really, really fun, um, short film. Uh, so set to drop March 5th. Um, we got some other shit coming down the way. Already working on the third film, which we, we pretty much know when we're shooting. And I think I have a really release date in mind, but that'll drop when so it drops. So excited for that. I, oh, bro. That, that's literally, as much as like the creative um, was like 
proof of, I always said the creative was proof of concept of what I can do cinematically. The bet was bringing more of that home, having fun with my brother. This third short film is really going to be what solidifies Legacy Visions as a production company. And I say that because it's A, it's going to be the longest project we do. B, I'm not I'm not acting in it. I'm not neither one of the main characters. Um, maybe a little cameo. Little, maybe a little cameo. But the story, the story in this third short film is, I think, one that everybody can relate to. And it's going to be fun. Um, and so, yeah. Can everybody relate to this story? Everybody has that friend. True, true. That's 100% true. Everybody has yes, that sir. friend. Um, yes, sir. But that's it. Uh, you can follow us collectively at the Film Bros Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, the film frequency pod at gmail.com. Um, if you want to send us a voicemail, you can do so at 614-547-2039. You got any parting words, JB? Did you even give them your social media before in all that plugin? I did. I gave my Twitter. And of course, I can reach on Facebook. Catch me around the the film frequency group. Yeah. And you can also join our yeah our group. Uh, the Film Frequency on, on uh, Facebook. It's a great discussion group. Um, most of the time, the conversations even aren't even started by us, but you can catch any film and TV conversations going on there. Uh, but that's been it. You can follow me personally at CEO Hayes, at CEO H-A-I-Z-E. And we're out this bitch. Peace. Peace. <laughs>